Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Okay, let me get into the, this is going to be, um, for some of you, anticlimactic in a way, but there was a portion of the series Fact versus Fiction that I kind of kept pushing out until it had no room because none of us really like to talk about uh, this issue. But I'm going to tag it for, uh, it's 1.13 on the clock right now. Is that the actual time? That's, no, it's not the actual time. I'm going to take no more than 15 minutes, I promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about this fiction. And the fiction is, all dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. Who's heard this theological question posed before? Okay. It, it, here, here's, my, here's my theological, not doctrinally sound, but my theological answer on the topic of dogs. As far as I can tell, dogs do not have a sinful nature. Therefore... It is possible that dogs could go to heaven. Don't, don't say Generation Church Doctrine says. I, I'm just responding to a question. And that question I'm using today just to deflect it a little bit because I know for some, even in our church, with all the worldviews that press against us, the real question is, do all people go to heaven? And there's an assumption, it's called, it's called Unitarian Universalism, that all paths lead to God, that all ways lead to heaven, and it doesn't really matter what you do or what you believe in, but we're all going to wind up on this happy plane of enlightenment when we die. And I want to tell you this morning, that is not the case. Not from a biblical worldview, that is absolutely not the case. Now, the good thing is, is when we get to talk about this reality, we also get to talk about salvation, which is what we have been celebrating with such enthusiasm all morning. But I want to tell you something, guys. Jesus talked about hell a lot in the Bible. He really did. And the New Testament actually speaks to this issue of hell and eternal punishment a lot. I don't want you to be triggered. In fact, I'm worried that some of you could be triggered by that statement. But would you in this moment today, because the presence of God has been so wonderful here, would you just submit your preconceived notions and allow the Word of God to weigh and measure and test what you think you believe? Let me pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that in this moment... You would calm our questions, that you would calm our hesitation to believe. Lord, that we would be a clean slate for you today, Holy Spirit. Lord, you gave us Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And so we receive that help now in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, let, me just, let me just lay some Bible on you because I'm not going to take long. Matthew 25, 41 to 46. This is concerning the question we have sometimes. And I understand the question of hell versus heaven causes us to question a lot of things about loved ones and people. Um, I'm going I'm to try to address that in the time I have as well. And forgive, forgive me. You know what? Honestly, forgive me. Maybe I should have spent a whole 45-minute message or two on this subject. But I'm willing to talk with anybody about it uh, to, to try and address your concerns uh, going forward from this. So here's what it says, Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say also to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed people, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it not to, uh, not did it for one of the least of these, you did it not for me either. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I have heard pastors and theologians actually say, Jesus does not talk about hell in the Bible. That is a complete falsehood. Jesus does talk about hell in the Bible. I love this, though. It's not like it's the only option. These will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous and eternal life. Let's uh, jump to Revelation 20. People dis, uh, discount the book of Revelation. They, I've heard theologians say, well, John, John the Revelator was in a really bad place. And so he was probably skewed because he was isolated and alone and tormented and punished and, and imprisoned and all these things. He was on the Isle of Patmos um, when he wrote the book of Revelation by the inspired uh, movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, can I just remind you that of all the disciples, John was the one Jesus loved. John had a special, a unique relationship with Jesus, and I am compelled by that historical fact that when John writes about Jesus in the book of Revelation, he is probably the best one of the disciples to do it, which is why the Holy Spirit appointed him to be the one to do it. Here's what Revelations 20, 11 to 15 says. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, for whose presence, um, from whose presence earth and heaven fled and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each of them according to their deeds. The then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he also was thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Hell, hell is a reality. Matthew 23, 29 to 33. And, and I, I picked three this morning because I've got 15 minutes. But, but there are dozens upon dozens of references in Scripture, and even into the Old Testament, many references in Scripture to this idea of, of maybe not directly the word hell, but to the idea that there is, there is this eternal reality for the unrighteous being separated from the presence of God forever. Uh, Matthew 23, 29 to 33. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs for the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. And you say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of guilt of your fathers, you snakes, you offspring of vipers. How will you escape the sentence of hell? Guys, Jesus didn't pull punches when it came to this topic. And I scratched my head when I hear people say that he doesn't talk about it. I'm like, just you don't even have to read Paul's letters. You, just, you, you can read the Gospels and, and see it in red letters where Jesus talks about this reality. 
And I want us this morning to come to an understanding of what this is. We have probably all lost people who don't know Jesus, and that's going to be one of the major questions that begins to rage in our hearts and minds. What about my grandparent who didn't know Jesus? What about people who never get the chance to hear about Jesus? These are difficult and even impossible questions to address because they deal with the fullness and the separation of humanity worldwide. It's a huge concept. I understand that. And it's heartbreaking to have to think about it. But let me just say this. I am convinced by the word of God that on the day of the Lord, when we all stand before him and judgment is carried out, not one of us will stand there disagreeing with his perfect judgment. Not one of us. I believe this to the point of even those who may be condemned to an eternity without God will actually willingly agree to that sentence. John Ortberg, in a, I think he may have written it in one of his books, but I, I remember some time ago listening to a podcast between Carrie Newhoff and John Ortberg, and uh, really amazing podcast. Um, if I think of it, I'll maybe try to link it to the sermon notes for you, uh, or someone, because I said that, will do it for me, possibly. <laughs> um, but this, John Ortberg said this. He says, you know what? Hell is the best that God can do for some people. Wow, right? That sounds really harsh, doesn't it, Tyler? Does that sound pretty harsh? Does it, does it, I, think it, I think it's brutal. Hell is perhaps the best that God can do for some people. But would you just, again, hit pause on your preconceived notion and think about this with me for a second. What is heaven? Well, I know because I was raised in the church with this hymn. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. Okay? That's the whole thing. Uh, and you know what? That's a, it's a good old song because it's, it's relatively accurate, doctrinally speaking. I mean, if you get sidetracked with hell and it really becomes a burden to you, just start looking in Scripture for what the Bible says about heaven. You'll start to focus. Don't worry. But consider this. What is heaven if not the eternal reign and lordship of Jesus Christ? Right? I mean, what do you think is going to happen in heaven? Do you think you just you get to go to heaven and... and you become the boss of all that is? No, that's not quite how it works. The Bible says we will rule and reign with Christ for eternity. But, but I, I need you to get this, guys. Heaven is eternity with Jesus under his lordship. And here's the concept we need, to, we need to arrive at today together, is that if you can't do life on earth under his lordship, which is going to be 85 years plus or minus, how are you going to do eternity under his lordship. And that's why Ortberg says maybe hell is the best that God can do for some people because for one who will not tolerate the lordship of Christ while he lives, how will he tolerate it for eternity? If you want a great book, not because it's so doctrinally sound, because it's a great allegory written by C.S. Lewis that goes with it. Somebody yell the name because it just blanked from my mind. The Great Divorce. Thanks, Ben. The Great Divorce is an, let me say it clearly, it's an allegorical viewpoint of what heaven might be like. And I found that book to be very interesting 
uh, as, I, as I read it some years ago. Um, you, you may want to read it. And again, I'm suggesting this to you for perspective because while Scripture is very clear and black and white, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We, we are asking God to bring us understanding on how to read Scripture, how to learn Scripture, how to, how to be impacted by Scripture. It's not as black and white as some people would have you believe. It's not nearly as simple as some people would have us believe. It is complex. Why? Because the Lord of all that is is taking time to deal with people who, why should he even notice me? All of these miracles, millions of miracles working together. I swear I just don't know what that means. I'm just going to move on. So if you can't live your life on earth submitted to Jesus, how the heck do you think you're going to do eternity submitted to Jesus? Now, because you're here and probably most of us are actually in a relationship with him, just, just let that sink in for everyday life right now. And understand that, like, if you're particularly contentious with the Lord about any issue in your life right now, I just want you to know it's not going away. Like, guys, if you're addicted to porn, or ladies, um, that, that, that issue is still going to be an issue if you try to take that with you into the future. Or whatever our sin issue is, it's always going to be an issue because he is without sin and in order for us to enter his eternity, we're going to have to be without sin too, which we can't do by ourselves, which is why Jesus came and died for us to give us his righteousness. The beautiful thing about the reality of having to talk about hell is that God has already provided a solution for it. Sometimes we want to do Christianity like people want to do math these days. Math is becoming a subjective science. Well, 2 plus 2 doesn't necessarily equal 4. Well, it does. And, and, and if you don't think mathematics is literal and scientifically valuable, I just challenge you to move into the field of physics and test every limit of that from high places. Ma math is math. Actually, if you're really snotty sciencey, it's the maths. You're supposed to put an S on the end. I saw that one time somewhere. Anyways. <laughs> Little comic relief for you, because I love you, okay? Um, so here, here's the one. Do all people go to heaven? No. Let me tell you what God's will is according to Scripture. God's will is that no one should perish. That's his will. Is, is his will going to be realized? Yes, according to his perfect will, that will be realized. And in the, in the amazing reality of all that is... There will still be people who do not want to deal with God for eternity. Harsh reality, nonetheless, this is still true. Now, my experience, band, why don't you come back up? My experience, my experience, and the experience of millions and millions of believers who have gone before me and another millions and millions who walk the earth today. Another old song, Every Day with Jesus is actually sweeter than the day before. That is to say, once we develop this relationship with God, once Jesus is living in us, his spirit has consumed our lives, and we are, we are uh, to use a biblical language, we are, we, are, we are 
Like we are like on fire. We are set ablaze. The, the light of Christ the, is in us. The living water is flowing from us. Here's what we learn. We learn that in every trial and every trouble and every circumstance and every temptation that Jesus is the sweetest answer for everything that comes against us. See, this is, this is moving into complete lordship what it is. And so the reality is, is when I consider my eternity, I'm actually excited about eternity because of Jesus' lordship. I will no longer struggle with some of the things I have to struggle with. So you can choose to look at it in either way. You can say God is manipulative and controlling, or you could say that he is indeed the greatest liberator of all time. I say he's the greatest liberator of all time. And every day that I walk with him is just a little bit better than the day I just had with him. And I say that through times of loss and through frustration, through times of trial, through times of failure. Every day I have with Jesus is just a little bit better than the day I had with him in the past. And you know what else is kind of fun is that every day that I follow Jesus, and this is my hope, but I also believe it's happening, I am becoming, I'm becoming just a little bit more like him. And you can too. Every day that you walk with Jesus can be a day that you become incrementally more like him. This is the process of being perfected. You're already holy because of his blood. Now we're being perfected. Let me just close with this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Someone say uninformed. That's why we talk about it. Brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive who remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, guys, we are called as the church to comfort one another with the eternal reality that salvation has brought into our lives. But we actually can't do that if we're not aware of the calamity that waits at the door. Not just for eternity, but for tomorrow, for all of those we're connected to who don't know Jesus. This world needs evangelists like it has never needed them before. Our country will not change until the hearts of its people change. You want the government to do godly things? You want your government, our prime minister, to stop pushing the abortion of unborn children? You want to know what needs to happen? A million Christians need to fall on their face before God and ask for Justin Trudeau to be saved by the power of Jesus so that his worldview will change and align with the Word of God. That's what will change a nation. We have a foundation as Canadians that is blemished and in many places irreparable. But one place we do have right, and that is that in our founding, we have given dominion from sea to sea to sea to the living God. It is in our roots. It is in our, in our DNA as a nation. And it's time that the church carry that burden to the presence of God, into the throne room of God daily. I challenge you to begin to pray in a new way for the people who are lost in your life. 
because hell is for real. But guys, it doesn't even have to matter because Jesus, the one mediator between God and man, the only name under heaven by which men can be saved, has already stood in the place of conviction for us. And he has set us free by his perfect sinless life being sacrificed on the cross. If you're here this morning and you have not tapped into that specific relationship, I tell you what, Jesus said, there's no other way to God unless you come through me. Not me, him, Jesus. There's no other way. So you can write Jesus off as a fool or a lunatic or you can write him into your life as the only sane, living deity that ever truly came and walked this earth. He is. Now, that cross didn't only purchase you back from your sin. It also purchased your healing. It also purchased the rightness of your mind. It purchased you back from fear, from anxiety, from mental sickness, from emotional damage. It did it all. There's a hymn that says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He paid it all. He didn't pay for some part of your brokenness, but every fiber of you that is broken or could be broken or has been broken, he has paid the price for it. And redemption is here for you today. All you have to do is step into it by saying, Jesus, I surrender my will to you. That's it. And we would love to pray with you to that end. So if you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with brokenness in your family, in your body, anywhere, you don't have to leave church the same way that you came today. We're going to sing this last song. As we do, if you'd like prayer this morning, you just come up and gather on the sides. We have people from our prayer teams, men, women, children who are here to pray with you. They, they want to pray with you. They are expecting to pray with someone this morning because I said, I think people are going to respond this morning. No pressure. But I, t- I told them that, so don't make me be a liar, please. Come on, guys. Holy Spirit, I ask right now over this church, God, that you would quicken hearts to respond to your voice today. Jesus, that in your perfect love, you would cast out every fear, every anxiety that would prevent anyone here from responding to the message of your love today. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.